The text that I'll be using this morning comes from Psalm 115, and we will just look at one verse today, and that is verse 16. You know, as believers, our first duty as Christians is to the kingdom and the God whose kingdom that belongs to. It is a kingdom that has come in Christ and is coming through his Christians and will come in fullness when Christ returns. We first and foremost, as believers, as those who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, as the writer of Hebrews says, a better country, if you will, a place of promise that we have not seen yet with our eyes. But, but, we are also responsible to the land that God has put us in. And if I was speaking at a uh, celebration of a nation, of another nation, if I was, which I doubt I ever will be, I would encourage them as well with the same message that we hear today. God has put us in this land, and we have a responsibility to what we call so affectionately America. I, I love America. I, didn't, I don't love everything it has done in the past. I don't love everything that it has become, but I love America. It is my land. It's where God has placed me for such a time as this in history. And so I hope it is with you that you too love the land that God has given to us, that he's deposited our lives in for such a time as this. And not only as Christians, not only as the church, are we responsible to the kingdom of God, but we are also responsible with dual citizenship of this land that we love and call America. If you are physically able, would you stand as I read Psalm 115, verse 16. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. May the Lord bless his reading, the reading of his word today. You may be seated. As we open uh, this time of that we call the sermon or the message, I'm going to be reading a prayer from George Bush, the 41st President of the United States of America. Bow with me. The Lord, our God, be with us as He was with our fathers. May He not leave us or forsake us so that we may incline our hearts to Him to walk in all His ways that all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God there is no other. Amen. The verse says that the heavens are the Lord's heavens. That Hebrew can also be stated like this, the heavens are heavens for the Lord. We connect this in Psalm 115 with the third verse where it says our God is in the heaven. He does all that He pleases. And this is following a verse where the psalmist is saying, why should all the other nations 
say, where is your God? And we answer, our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. The heavens are heavens for the Lord. What does the psalmist mean by that? It means that in heaven, God totally reigns. And there in heaven today even, He is fully revealing His glory to those there, to the angels, to the loved ones who have gone before us, our fathers and mothers. There they are seeing the beauty and the glory of God. In the heavens, all things are in perfect order. Nothing is out of place. Nothing is, if you will, messed up. Or out of sorts. But all is glory and perfect in paradise today, my brothers and sisters. And there God fully reigns on His throne. And His glory is beheld at all times. The heavens are the heavens for the Lord. But the psalmist didn't stop there. And he said, and the earth, He, God has given to humankind, to mankind. And the earth he has given to mankind. So here we learn that man has a rule over the earth as well as it has been given by God. We know that in the beginning, in the creation story, that God created the heavens and the earth. And he made a difference between light and darkness, the stars, the planets, and the earth. And he separated the waters from the dry land. And he created the the creatures of the earth and of the deep waters as well. And then he said it was all good, but then he made man in his image and breathed into that first man and then that first woman, the breath of life. And he gave them dominion as caretakers over the earth. And there on the earth, they were to find joy and fulfillment and fellowship with their Creator. They were to be caretakers of what God had created. They were to have rule over the earth. And they were commanded to go forth and be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth and care for all that God had given them. However, there are limits to man's rule upon the earth. And that we also see in the Bible that nothing is done outside of God's design or nothing continues. That last breath you just took in and exhaled, only came by God's providence. The fact that we woke up this morning and the sun was shining out of the eastern skies was only by God's providence. If this earth continues tonight and the Lord's coming tarries and we see the sun set in the western skies, it will only be because of God's providence. There are limits to our power. There are limits to our rule. God has a great purpose, a grand design, if you will, and nothing man can do, whether good or bad,
can add to or take away from God's plan coming into fruition. It is God's power and design. Throughout the Bible, we see two principles. One is the sovereignty of God in that He is all-powerful, all-knowing, that all things hold together and exist because of Him, and that nothing will stop God's plan from being fulfilled. On the other hand, we see God gave into man the capacity or the ability to have free will after He created them. The Bible teaches both to swing one way too far and just teach the sovereignty of God and say that man has no will or choice is not truly teaching God's Word. But also to swing too far to the other end of the pendulum and say it is all just on man's decision and God is this God up there just reacting and trying to hold things together on everything we're doing is also false. Both are taught in the Bible. God's sovereignty His reign, His rule, His power, His providence, His control, and also the free will of man that God gives us even over to our choices even when it is to our own harm and the harm of the land that we live. And in between there, I'm going to tell you, is a great mystery. Volumes and volumes and volumes of books have been written upon the sovereignty of God. And volumes and volumes and volumes of books have been written on man's free will and his rule of the earth. And both are in the Bible. And in between there is a mystery and we can fall mighty short in our faith when we don't behold the mystery of this spiritual pull God's sovereignty and our choice of free will. God gave us a will and the capacity to choose. We know that in the Garden of Eden everything was good and man was walking in fellowship with their God and God gave them Uh, rule over all of the earth, not just the garden, but over all the earth. Man had dominion and care for the animal life, the aquatic life, life in the air, and also of the vegetation of the earth. And he gave them again the command to be fruitful and multiply, to walk with him in fellowship, to worship the God that had given them life and given them the land. But he gave them a choice. And there was a tree there in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God told them not to partake of that tree. Because when you do, you will die. The tempter came. Eve was deceived and man willfully chose to go against the Word of God, the command of God, and a curse came upon the land and death came upon man. And the beautiful, perfect union that was once between man and God upon this earth was broken and needed restoration. So with the fall 
of free will came many abuses of our land. Our God-given free will and authority over the earth. Many abuses that still continue today that we read of throughout history. We break God's laws. We do not hold to, if you will, the ten words or the ten commandments that God gave to Moses. And while God gave or was giving those ten words to Moses, the nation of Israel, and led by Aaron, their priest, was down in the valley, even then, making a golden image of a calf to worship. We have broken God's laws, and we still do today. But not only that, as, care, as fallen caretakers of this world, not only do we break God's laws, but we persecute His creation. There are many injustices that have gone on throughout history and still are today. And also, we abuse and harm the earth as well. We do not care for it as we should. And so, because God designed us to rule over the earth, He has given us over, if you will, for a period of time, even though it is to our own ill will. In other words, as the old adage goes, we are our own worst enemy. And for this moment that God has given the earth to children of man, still within the boundaries of His will, but yet within the boundaries of our free will, He has given us over. And many ills have come upon our land and in our lives because of the fall and sin that we are cursed with. However, we look at that verse and we see, but the earth He has given to the children of man. And we are then taken back to Genesis when He created everything and said it is good, it is beautiful, it is perfect. And then the command came to be fruitful and multiply. And still, beloved, even in our damaged, sickened estate that we are in, the fallen state that we are in, of how we harm ourselves, there is also an allowance that God gives us today to still be fruitful in our lives and to multiply. We still have an allowance by God to do well, to do good in and through our lives. We still have the allowance to worship well. And we have gathered here today in this place to worship the Lord. And I hope that you have worshipped well. We have the allowance, and especially in our land, to work well. To, to find purpose and joy in our labors in this land that God has given us. And we still have been given the allowance to care for the earth. Now, beloved, I want to say something. Whether you, whether you go for all the um, global warming thoughts or not, I personally do not buy all that propaganda. But I will say this. It in no way means that we should not care for our earth and that our earth has greatly been harmed by mankind through the thousands of years. 
we should be fruitful and multiply in our faith. We should be fruitful and multiply in our work and service and to people. And we should be fruitful and multiply in our care for the earth and the land that God has given us. As we begin to come to a close today, I want you to think of three words that begin with the letter S. And the first is, serve the Lord. What will we do that will be for the good of the land that has been given to us, the land that we love? The land that we will celebrate its independence this Thursday. And the first is serve. Serve the Lord. Beloved, listen to me. The greatest way that we can serve our land is to serve the Lord that has given it to us. The greatest way that we can serve the land is to serve the Lord that has given it to us. One, because He is Lord. Secondly, He has given it to us. We did not create it. We did not preordain it. We did not make it come into fruition. But He has given it to us and He has given us life. And we should serve the Lord first and we will better serve the land. Serve the Lord through His church. Serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness as well. Serve the Lord. It's like anything else, especially even in your relationships. The more that you love and serve the Lord, the more that you will love others. And so I stand on that thought that the greatest way to serve this land is to serve the Lord that has given it to us and given us life and deposited our lives in this land for such a time as this, to be fruitful and multiply. And that leads me to the second S word. Send the light. Be fruitful and multiply. God has placed us here as believers for such a time as this for a purpose. To send the gospel light. The world is in darkness. The world is in harm's way. The world is dying and slipping off into an eternity of darkness separated from God. Still, God's command is to His people, be fruitful and multiply. Send the light. Whether it be to your neighbor, whether it be to the person on the other block, whether it be to someone in the other part of the state, of the nation, of the world, send the light. Send the gospel light. And when you serve the Lord, you'll send the light. And the land will be blessed with the goodness of the God that created it and gave it to us. Be fruitful and multiply. And isn't this also seen in the text? But the earth He has given to the children of man, His people. He desires you, church, to be fruitful and multiply, to win more souls for Jesus Christ, to lead others into the church of God. To lead others to see the glory and the beauty of God. Not only by faith in this land, but also throughout eternity in the glories of heaven and the new earth. Not only should we serve the Lord and send the light, but we must steward what we have been given. We must steward the land well. 
we must be good citizens. And the Bible teaches this doctrine as well. Of our dual citizenship, the letters of the New Testament teach us to be good citizens, to strive for peace, to live with love and patience and understanding, to stand for truth. We should steward the land well. We should steward well as citizens. We should care over our neighbors. We must work well. And we must work socially and strive to help those that are being harmed by others. And so in that sense, we are to strive for social injustices and to bring justice for the weak and the hurting. Now, this is a big debate, even in our denomination now. There's a big sway with social justice and the gospel and how those two fit together. And yes, you can go fully, kind of like with the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. You can camp totally in one end and miss the point. And so it is with the gospel and social justice in our land. You can just do social justice and miss the point of the gospel. But I want to say this, beloved. If your gospel does not affect or impact how you live socially in the land that we live, you're missing the point of the gospel. If it does not cause you to feed the hungry and stand up for the orphan and protect the widow and the weak, then you really have not been impacted by the gospel of the God that came to us while we were still yet sinners and saved us by His grace. We've still not been touched by the Jesus that ate with sinners, ministered to those that were outcasts, ceremonial ceremonial unclean before others. If you miss that point, then you have not been impacted by the gospel as should be. We must serve the Lord, the Lord that has given us this land. We must send the light and steward the land well. And so with those thoughts, and I tell you, the last few years, another move among Christianity is Uh, We are told as pastors on Twitter and Facebook and all these things, and that's why I deleted those apps. By the way, if you need me, don't expect me to see something on Facebook. I've not been on Facebook in months, so don't get mad if I don't see your post. You call me if you need me. Amen? Can we have that agreement? Okay. And I deleted those things. But one thing pastors were, and I remember reading a, a tweet last year. Did I say that right, Marky, a tweet? Doesn't that sound funny? Yeah. And last year that it was the Sunday before our Independence Day service, and a pastor said if you're preaching an Independence Day sermon tomorrow, you still have time to repent and change it. And there is a full swing of those that are too patriotic. And first, we are citizens of the kingdom, and we're here to worship the Lord today and serve Him. But I want to tell you, I disagree with that going into that camp so far that we cannot love the land that's been given to us and care for it and be patriotic. And so with that thought in mind, I turn to that beautiful song that is a prayer 
called God Bless America. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. Would you sing it with me? God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans wide with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. With these thoughts today, we prepare our hearts for a time of invitation. Seeing where we are, if we are serving the Lord with gladness, if we are sending the light, and if we are stewarding the land that He has given us. As we close today and collect our thoughts to focus solely upon the Lord and our relationship with Him, I again use a prayer from the first President of the United States of America, George Washington. I do adjust it that it will not just be spoken by one singular person, but for all of us today. Bow with me as we pray. Direct our thought, our words, and work. Wash away our sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb, and purge our heart by the Holy Spirit. Daily frame us more and more into the likeness of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.